Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What we've got here is failure to communicate. And to get hot, I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. With your host, Mike Paul. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mike Paul cast. I am your host, Mike Paul. So guys, I got to cover one thing really quick. Uh, not a huge deal. Uh, just uh, something that needs to be disclosed for you guys. Um, we will be making a small change to the show going forward. Uh, nothing about the content or the format or the, the type of guests we're having. That'll all be staying the same. But we will be changing the name of the podcast. Reason being is my brother Nick, who's been on the show fairly often if you've been listening, um, we used to do a podcast together that was an automotive talk podcast that we really enjoyed but had to dissolve just because uh, life and babies got in the way and it, it went in the back burner and we had to, to dissolve it after about 25 episodes. Um, but we always wanted to do another one. Um, I didn't think uh, Nick was ready to start a podcast right now. He's been very focused on his career and his um, his training for jiu-jitsu. So I went, home, or went ahead and just started this on my own. But uh, Nick's made it very clear to me that he's all in. We're going to go at this thing as partners um, and help uh, share the workload and the editing and the, the startup costs to get help grow the uh, the listenership. And we're about to invest uh, some decent amount of money into to advertising. And before we did that, you know, Nick's like, well, if we're going to change the name, we should probably do it before we attract, you know, several thousand new listeners. So that's a fair point. And fortunately for Nick, I don't have an ego. Um, I don't. I'm not Donald Trump, where I need my name in gold letters and uh, any recognition for that. I just thought it was a, a simple name that didn't paint me into a corner about what I had to talk about on the show. So we talked about some different names. The Mike and Nick Paulcast is a bit of a mouthful. The Paulcast is awesome, but there's about 47 of those. So we decided to go with. And this was a credit to my buddy Chad Webster, who was on the last episode. He he came up with it. Paul's to the wall. What do you guys think? I think it's pretty clever. I like it. So I think we're keeping it. Um, so we will be going forward. This will be Paul's to the wall. It will be the name of the podcast. Um, same format. We're going to bring on people that we find very interesting. And this podcast knows no limit on conversation. We can talk politics, history, religion, you know, automotive cooking, barbecue, anything that's interesting that we find interesting at all. Any people that know more about these topics, we're going to uh, invite to have on. Um, so going forward, like I said, Paul's to the Wall will be the name of the show. And I hope I can just change the name on my feed and you guys can stay, or stay subscribed. 
Um, I would hate for you guys to have to all transfer over and look up my show. But I think we should be okay if I just change the name. But, you know, like Nick said, before we get a bunch of new listeners, uh, more than we have already, it would probably be the best time to do a name change now rather than later. So not a huge deal, but I uh, just figured I'd disclose that at the start of the show. So uh, today we have a friend of Nick's. This is another interview he set up. And he is the owner of a local martial arts gym, um, the one Nick's actually been trained at for about seven years. And we wanted to bring him on, uh, not only because he's a very interesting and hardworking entrepreneur, but mainly because I wanted to see what it's like to own a business in the time of COVID and all these lockdowns and kind of his personal story and struggles and perseverance and creativity that he's had to uh, use to get through these these hard times. So without further ado, please welcome my brother, Nick Paul, and his buddy, Rich Whitenack. All right, guys, today on the podcast, uh, we are joined by a friend of mine. I consider him a friend. Uh, his name is Rich Whitenack. He's the owner of No Joke Martial Arts in Rockford. And uh, just a little backstory. First of all, how are you doing, Rich? I'm doing all right. All right, yeah. Good to have you with us. And then uh, Mike is also here today. Yep. Mike, how, how you guys doing? doing? Uh, Rich is the owner of No Joke Martial Arts, where, you know, I'm 26 years old now. And when I was 19, I started training at No Joke. And uh, just a, a brief nutshell, you know, I was 14 years old, um, saw UFC 100 for the first time, was immediately just hooked by MMA. And I remember thinking to myself that there's no way my parents would let me do MMA because it's at the time it was just seen as just barbarian. It was 2009. So I'm like, okay, but they, they might let me wrestle. So I started wrestling in high school. And then as soon as I graduated, got into jujitsu and uh, I already had a friend that was training boxing at no joke. So I signed up grappling at no joke and met rich right away. And right away we hit it off and, and I've been there seven years now. And, uh, I've had so many great conversations with rich over the years, uh, just about business and life and martial arts and philosophy and all these things. So I thought it'd be a great guest to have on. Um, and today we're going to talk a little bit about being an entrepreneur slash gym owner in the era of COVID and the lockdowns and everything. So Rich, can you just lead in, kind of tell us what the last eight months have kind of been like? Yeah, I, I, I can, but at first, I just want to say like, um, I was on a couple other podcasts before with other uh, friends who uh, like you make for interesting conversation and, and thought that, uh, that the format of the podcast is pretty cool to kind of get your, your way out there and kind of connect with people like-minded and, um, it was a lot of fun. I'm talking about Gannon, um, uh, you know, another uh, BJJ practitioner at No Joke. Um, but man, I'm nervous about this because during this era, it's like we have the Gestapo watching. You know what I mean? Like there's this there's this air of, um, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, in, for the first time in my life, like I care what other people think because I'm in business and I'm trying not to offend people. And you almost can't uh, keep from offending people. Um, so that's, that's how, how I can sum it up. It's like, it's, uh, it's anxiety inducing to run a business in this era, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, it, frozen, like no problem. Can you expand a little bit about what exactly happened when, when all the COVID lockdown hits, what was your play by play when you started getting restrictions from the uh, local officials? Well, I mean, you know, it's a, like, I'm not, I'm no science denier, uh, at the same time. 
um, what, what, what parts of life at, the, at that time when it first started happening and, um, you know, they're, they're talking about shutting down businesses and whatnot. Um, I had friends uh, who run similar businesses who said, well, I'm not shutting anything down. They can come, you know, they had this hard line approach to it. And I, I, I've always been one to try to look at both sides. So I'm just trying to listen to, um, you know, uh, the news, of course, which is telling you all one thing. And then uh, people who are, um, you know, just not going to listen to rules. I think some people don't listen to rules just for the sake of not listening to the rules. They don't try to assess whether or not the rules make sense. They're just mad because they're being told what to do. And so I go, all right, well, there's a part of me that has that teenage angst, but do I want to honor that? Or do we want to, you know, pay attention really in, in, I just thought at the time, I just got to take care of people and whatever the people want. You know, if people that are walking in the door are offended by us being open, well, that's different. And it was actually Nick that called and said, hey, Rich, I think we got to think we got to shut down. And as soon as one of my instructors, Nick is now a uh, one of the instructors there. We didn't cover that. Um, you know, I thought, well, yeah, we have to because I need the whole team to be on the same page. And so I thought, yep, that's the right thing to do. So we instantly shut down and stopped charging people because we're a service industry and we can't provide the service if we're not allowed to be open. So we stopped charging people. Now, some of my um, um, other uh, business owners, well, they kept charging people because they thought, well, they signed a contract. It's not my fault that we can't do our end of the deal, you know, and I thought, well, that's kind of, you know, uh, iffy. So, um, you know, if you if you do things the right way, the, the uh, banks will let me, you know, um, postpone mortgage payments. You know, we, we own the building at no joke. So it's, we have a little, uh, you know, like layers of protection. I didn't have to, I'm not behind in rent. I'm behind in rent to my other company, which can then, you know, postpone the mortgage. So I, I went through, I mean, there's plenty of work to be done just to keep a business running when there's no money coming in. Uh, so that's what I set to doing. Um, I put a little online content just to kind of keep the uh, community going. And to show people that you can uh, continue your workouts and skill development. Um, it's really hard to teach choke defense socially distanced. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we tried. You know, <laughs> so I kind of, you know, went more to the striking side and just showed off what we do. Uh, striking and mostly shadow boxing in my, uh, my, my morning uh, I forget what the format was. It wasn't Zoom we were using. What we were just, just I uh, think it was Facebook Live. Facebook I remember Live. So just, on my on my morning commute, I'd always see you every morning. Like you know, flip open Facebook before I head out of the house, and I see you know Rich out there shadow boxing. I'm like, oh, that's cool. We're keeping it going. You kept the. I remember that whole time in uh, in May, and I'm sorry to cut you off here, but no, I wanted no, to good. go back. I wanted to go back to that first week in March. I think it was like March 12th, 13th, where you started to just get this weird buzz. I mean, you couldn't escape it. It was at work. I hear all the all the guys at work talking about it. I hear everybody at the gym talking about it. And I remember uh, I, and in the beginning and for, by now the listeners know that when it comes to COVID, we are anti-alarmists. Like at this point, I think anybody who's looking objectively at all the evidence and then go back and look at what everybody was worried about in March. We were worried that this was going to have a crazy fatality rate. We were, we were worried that you would know multiple people that were hospitalized from this. And when the evidence started, or not the evidence, the data started rolling in that, hey, this is really not nearly as dangerous as we'd worried it would be. It, to me, it was like great news. And, and you know, in March, I was somebody where I messaged you, I texted you, um, and I said, hey, I think we might need to shut this down. Like I was I, just for the liability alone, where it's like, yep, you know, yep. people are start, they're going to start getting really sick. And it never happened, uh, not in any in any serious scale where people were, you know, being hospitalized. It's 
for the vast majority of people, especially if you're in good health, it's, it's a common cold. I had it in October and, you know, to me, I just, I lost my sense of taste for about a month, which sucked, but you know, I, and of course it hits everybody differently and I'm in good health. So it's different for everyone. But uh, yeah, I remember what that was like at the gym and it was so weird because since I started training uh, seven years ago, I think the longest I'd ever been off was a week ever. I mean, even injuries included. So uh, and when we talk about the lockdowns and of course you have your own side as a business owner, but just for me and I'm, you know, an instructor at the gym, but for me, there's the, the psychological toll of not being able to have one of your outlets where it's, you know, this is your therapy, your stress relief, all of these things. And, you know, in May we did the zoom class and how bizarre that was. And we did some solo movement drills and everything. Um, but then, you know, it kind of came and went and there was enough, like just pressure from the people to open things back up. And, uh, when the gym finally reopened, it was, I remember just how happy everybody was to see each other. And, you know, here we are in the end of November here and worried about second shutdowns. I mean, what does that look like to you? I mean, do you hear what's going on? Yeah, uh, I I think that um, I mean I've, I've I've tried not to pay attention because like you said the, the toil emotionally is tough. I mean you know um, you know thinking about whether somebody's playing around with whether or not I can pay the bills and whether I'm going to lose a building and things like that. It's just terrifying. So I try not to listen or pay much attention to that. I just go into um, go into uh, the the studio and kind of see how the uh, the feel of the people are when people are walking in with their masks on. We, we we're okay with that for sure. Um, you know, um, if people feel as though the masks are helping to slow things down, that's great. Um, I, I, I am, am not as convinced of that. Uh, um, so, you know, uh, happy to have people uh, still willing to come work out with us. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous to take a stance. I noticed that the, um, the Love Spark Alderman is following our page and we had just posted a happy Thanksgiving thing and talked about how we're, um, uh, you know, doing our best to socially distance and operate at 25% capacity, which is very difficult to show what that means to, you know, anyone. But, um, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I guess I'm still nervous because, you know, the, the, uh, the way that we do business is uh very intimate you know and if they outlaw wrestling uh i gotta find a different business to run out of my building that i now own you know so i'm a little little discouraged i think that um uh uh, some of us just want to live and uh you know not not feel as though i'm i'm uh you know spreading a disease um but uh the data that keeps going around is i think scaring people so i you know um I, I appreciate your input. You know, like I said, at the time, I'm looking at my instructors like, hey, what do you guys think? Now, you know, we have some uh, some of our former military as instructors as well. I won't throw anybody under the bus, but, you know, they, they have a they have a very um, I, I don't know what the word is fatalistic point of view. Like, hey, if it's if it's time for me, uh, then here we go. You know, so so you had the covid and it didn't affect you uh, too terribly, at least initially. You know, there there are some studies that show that the um, the lasting effects of having gone through it, you know what I mean? You could later on end up with damage to your lungs or something. I, You know what I mean? It's just just hard to discern all the information going around. Yeah, it's one of those things that the symptoms are, are so vague. It covers so many different if you have any sort of ailment, it, it's like, well, it could be COVID. You know, if your eyes are watering or if you got a sniffle or a runny nose or a mild fever. Um, yeah, I know when, when Nick got it, too, I was kind of. 
optimistic because we haven't even talked about this on the podcast for those listening. Okay. But Nick had actually canceled his wedding because he got COVID right before uh, that yeah, happened. Yeah, two days but, before. Yeah. And and it, I, I, honestly, that was one of the one of the one of the biggest consequences for me is that my buddy Nick couldn't go through his marriage. Now, some would say, uh, you know. What a lucky man. Okay. <laughs> I might take that point of view because then you don't have to go through that silly process. I mean, I'm not trying to say that <laughs> weddings are only for women. That's not what I'm trying to imply. But uh, at the same time, it's one day where you didn't have to go through that. Um, of course, uh, having that with Lauren, I think would be very nice. Honestly, I mean, jokes aside, uh, that sucks that you had to do that and inconvenience all those people. No inconvenience to me. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was serious. I forgot about that. You had to cancel your wedding as result. Yeah. yeah. Well, married now, so it's it's in the past. But yeah, it, it sucked at the time. And for the listeners, if you want to know kind of the story, uh, I was getting married. Uh, it was supposed to be October 10th. And uh, that was a Saturday. So on Wednesday night, I noticed my sense of taste was kind of slipping where I was having a, uh, uh, I think it was a sparkling water. And I'm like, this tastes like nothing. And then Thursday morning, I woke up with an intense migraine and sinus pain. Like I couldn't touch my cheeks. They were so sore. And uh, I, I made a couple calls to, this is when I was getting ready for work in the morning, I called my uncle who works in the medical field and I uh, called another friend who's a nurse and they're saying, yeah, you should go get tested. So I, I scheduled a test, um, got tested on a Thursday. It came back positive and uh, I, I went back and forth on what to do about it. And at the end of the day, there were too many people, too many guests that, you know, either lived with somebody who is like on chemo or they came, they had to take care of their grandparents. There were just so many of those and they were traveling from out of state where I, and then if I, if I kept it to myself, I would feel like a piece of shit in case I got somebody sick and then God forbid somebody, you know, gets taken out by it. Um, and if I told people, then I would expect about 80% of our guest list to decline a last minute and right. not come. So it, it sucked to be in. And then, you know, after by Friday, my symptoms were completely gone, minus the sense of taste. And I, to this day, I still can't smell shit. This is now seven months later or seven weeks later. And when I say I can't smell shit, I mean, actual feces. I cannot smell <laughs> poo. Um, yeah. at all. It's, it's shit particles that just have no effect, which a lot of people would say is not a bad thing, but at this point, I'm kind of, I'm kind of missing it at this point, at least my well, own brand. That's unfortunate <laughs> that we're doing a zoom meeting because I have some dank ass that I may be able to wake you up with. <laughs> okay. One day I'll smell one. That'll just, it'll be, it'll be back. Okay. It'll, be, <laughs> it'll be joy. Uh-huh. Well, um, so you know, you're, you're, you're reminding me of, um, you know, um, you know, that feeling when people came back to the gym and felt like we had been through something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 guess I feel like we're in a time when you, when you can't really hide your opinion, you know, you're either wearing a mask or you're not. And for some people that means that they can de- determine what you think about a whole bunch of things because you know what I mean? And so I, I, I'm struggling with, this image of the MMA school owner who's already, you know, a bully. I know I'm five, seven and 155 pounds, but I still get somehow uh, labeled and thought of as a bully. Um, you know, I, I'm really just the wimpy kid who took martial arts to stand up for myself and feel like I can hang, you know. Uh, but now I get looked at like I'm this mean guy and uh, I don't I don't really like that. I'm not really comfortable with that. 
Um, I'm not trying to not wear a mask. I'm just trying to run a business. So it seems like my business is on the side of not wearing masks because we can't really wrestle with them, or we should say it's ridiculous to try to wrestle with them. Um, so, you know, yeah, like I said, I, I, I hate being pushed into a, a category. Uh, and that's what I feel like this is doing. In some ways, it's good, right? Because you can't really hide in this world. You know, we know what you think. Um, but no, Rich, you, you mentioned that the uh, the Loves Park Alderman started following your business page on Facebook. Um, yeah. Was that something that just recently happened during the lockdowns? So, yeah, back up a little bit. When we first opened back up in June, uh, I believe that's when we opened up as soon as we said level whatever it was that uh, gyms could open back up. Um, you know, there, there are different categories of my business. I could be considered child care um, because during the summer camps, we were watching kids. Uh, you know, um, fitness, we certainly could be, uh, martial arts, specialty fitness. Um, I got a phone call from the Winnebago County Health Department because someone called on us. And I got a phone call, a really slow talking older gentleman. Um, it took me a couple of days to get back to him because I was really mad and I didn't want to shoot myself in the foot. But when I do have a, when I did have a conversation with him, I was uh, just trying to be patient and listen to everything he said. And he said, uh, you know, it, it was apparent to me that he didn't understand anything about the industry or what I'm doing. Um, Cause he said, now, if you have a competition team, you guys can still practice, but no, but socially distanced and you, and <laughs> oh you can't, gosh. you can't have more than 10 people and outside. And I'm like, well, I, I don't think you understand that. We're not, we're not going to roll around on the grass. Um, you know, <laughs> and if I had a competition team, they would be very close to each other. They'd be punching each other. I mean, you know, like he, I don't know if he was just thinking of like a sport karate thing that could have possibly been, but I just tried to be patient and listen. And again, not without shooting myself in the foot. Uh, yes, please send me those guidelines from the CDC and I will institute them to the best of my ability. And I, um, and that's the last I heard of it because I don't, yeah. I don't think that there's not enough uh, workers to go around and write citations, which is really all they would ever have the uh, authority to do. Um, and um you know, uh, now we got the restaurants who are, uh, you know, opening up, even though they're not supposed to, or bars or, you know, fighting that good fight. So I, I don't think that we're much on the radar. Yeah, you know, I remember back when uh, they announced that the lockdowns were going to be lifted. And I remember it was right after my birthday. My birthday is May 30th. And uh, I remember in April, they said, uh, you know, Governor Fatass's, uh, you know, executive order or whatever they call it, will be lifted uh, the 1st of June. And I remember like looking at the guidelines because I'm excited to see and, you know, just for the listeners. So I told you the longest I'd gone without training was about a week and uh, at an undisclosed location, uh, myself and a few of the other guys uh, were engaging in a little jujitsu speakeasy. So we were getting together and, and uh, you know, making sure we were out of sight of all the Karens and we were we were grappling. Um, but I remember when those guidelines came out or what they announced they were lifting, lifting the lockdowns and for gyms, it was now 25% capacity and make sure you wear masks and all these things. And it's so funny because it's, it was so obvious that the state legislators didn't know what grappling was, or they just never considered it. Cause it's like, clearly right. we, if we wear, I mean, you want to talk about the effectiveness of masks, but if you're grappling with somebody, I mean, you are getting everything they have in their body. You know, they say you have billions yep. of viruses in your body. Yep. You're getting everything. And part of the reason, uh, you know, you didn't hear about a lot of gyms where people got decimated by, by COVID, where a bunch of people got sick. 
And I think that's because in general, uh, it's very healthy people that are, that are, you know, attendees of, uh, martial arts gyms and gyms in general. And I remember at a certain point having this discussion with people about, uh, cost benefit analysis. And by April, it was so clear that that was completely off the table. When you want to talk about people go, Oh, you know, you and your precious stock market, but we're talking about people's lives. And you try to have this conversation with people where it's like, okay, first of all, the stock market is not just for billionaires to, to get more sacks of money with the dollar sign on them. Uh, that's people's retirement funds. That's, that's right. so many things. That's investment uh, capital for businesses. It's, it's the whole machine. It's the whole machine. It is. It's, it, it's a big part of it. And the other thing that is uh, frustrating is it's, again, it's, it's not just about the stuff that people are getting. This is people's livelihoods. That is the economy, like the economy, people act like, you know, we're, we're anthropomorphizing it too much. It's this abstract thing. And it's not as important as people's lives. And it is quite literally people's lives that we're talking about. That's what the economy is. And, and when you talk about the sector that we're in uh, gyms, and this is a public health crisis and you know, I can't think of one thing that is more essential during a public health crisis than gyms, especially martial arts gyms, which well, is I, an outlet for so many people. I think that, that the, the, the majority of humans, you know, well, it's, it's just hard to, it's hard to generalize and make general statements, but like you're saying, what, uh, what do we do for people's overall health? Okay. Not just emotional because you get to choke somebody, you know what I mean? And, and like release some of that angst, which to me, I think is so underplayed. Like when I say that, and then uh, the Karens of the world are like, wow, what is wrong with you that you need to choke people? Well, I'm saying, why aren't you acknowledging the human uh, need to want to um, just wrench the shit out of somebody? Now, some people don't ever get that angry. Great. Go get into knitting. That's cool. You know what I mean? But if you ever have any frustration with life of any kind, if you ever have any anger that bubbles up, but you don't want to vent it in this unhealthy way, like tell your boss to go fuck himself, you don't want to do that. That's a bad idea, right? Here's what you can do. You can come in and hit the heavy bag and feel better about it. You can come in and wrestle with somebody, get him to where you're just going to break his arm and then let him out. But for a grace, you know what I mean? He has an arm that works. You know, how kind of you, how giving of you, you know, but you, you are empowered because you have the ability to, you know, turn somebody's arm the wrong way. It's very empowering to do that. Now, putting that to the, uh, to the side, just the fitness benefits, okay, of, of immune bis, uh, building. Uh, you, you talked about germ sharing in the grappling program. There's nothing better for your immune system but to eat dirt. You know, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to, we, we're not allowed to, to bring that up. But isn't it uh, going to strengthen our immune system to expose ourselves to, to germs unnecessarily? I don't know. To me, it's very necessary. I find it's a fun activity, right? Yeah. And, um, and don't you think that moving forward, it's going to be very odd uh, that we, I remember Jeffrey Tucker wrote an article uh, talking about the, the lost science that we've had this year where we're finding ourselves uh, at a point where the herd or sorry, the term herd immunity is becoming a dirty word when it was widely understood for centuries that the way right. you beat any given virus is building immunity to it. So in the population, so it can't, they can't transmit. And the other thing that's been completely lost that makes complete sense is 
you know, not constantly using hand sanitizer and Cloroxing everything. If you, if you, it's like, remember the movie Bubble Boy? It's like people now watch Bubble Boy and they think that Bubble Boy is like this wise hero. It's, it's like, no, that's, that's the wrong thing to do. Like you do not want to just coddle your immune system. So the next time a common cold comes along, it'll knock you on your ass because you have no way of dealing with this. And I think that moving forward, I I don't think the masks are going anywhere. I think they're going to stay for the long haul because it's like, well, for the vast majority of people, COVID's not that dangerous, but it's like, well, well, you know, what if you're pre-symptomatic with a cold? Do you really want to just give somebody a cold? Why not wear a mask? And I I really think that we're going to see this mass hysteria everywhere. I mean, isn't, isn't it, isn't it fair to try to suspend judgment as, as intelligent humans? You know what I mean? Like a lot of people are dying of the COVID and if you do the numbers, it's more than uh, just the flu. Okay. So I'm not, I wouldn't discount that we have something going on here. We have a, we have a, a tricky bug in our, in our society that's killing off a whole bunch of people, but here's what I got to do. You know, don't you have to get either spiritual or philosophical right away whenever you're talking about death and you have to say, you know, um, so we have laws that mandate safer driving. You have to wear a seatbelt nowadays. Okay. But I'm still allowed to ride my motorcycle without a helmet. And I'm not saying that that's hypocrisy. I'm saying I get to live this risky lifestyle of this motorcycle. You know, it's crazy. Some people think that's the stupidest thing in the world to drive a motorcycle. Right. And, and I, I can appreciate that. I don't, I don't share your view because, uh, you know, whether it's a, a wrongful death or, I mean, it's just death. That's a part of life. And I think we're just ignoring that. And we're just pretending that we can just stave it off forever. Um, and, and I think we should have the discussion like, hey, man, you know, um, let's say I wasn't talking to my mom. And this, this particular Karen said, um, more people are going to die, you know, if, you know, the president does something or doesn't do something as if they're going to blame it on one person. I said, well, not more they're all going to die. Like we're all going to die. Aren't we all going to die eventually? Like why, why, you know, to me, when these times make us get very philosophical, like what is, what is living if it's just avoiding death? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to go on a roller coaster ride, you know, because it's too dangerous or ride in a convertible car, you know, like, like when everybody draws a line differently for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. But now you're going to be, you're going to mandate mask wearing because it cuts down on the number of, projectile I, yeah, just no, I did a whole episode actually uh, with a, a scientist named Greg Morin about two weeks ago and he went through he's been researching in-depthly all the uh, evidence to support mask use um, and he said it's, it's it's really inconclusive and there's actually cases where it shows it can be upping the spread just because people touch it so much they throw these little yeah. petri dishes yeah. in the garbage they talk louder through a mask so it exerts more energy when they're speaking to each other How about um, beards I don't know if you brought up beards but come yeah. on come on yeah Exactly. And so, yeah, we had a whole episode on that where I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really convinced. I went in there with an open mind. I was like, listen, sure. I'm not a medical expert. The th- it makes sense to me. You cover your face. It's got to limit something. So I'm not like, it doesn't work. I'm not out there like just, you know, being an activist against masks, but uh, I just, I don't want to be bothered when I go places. So I wear one. And that's, that's just, I wear it plenty. I promise you. I don't, I'm not trying to offend people. In fact, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm, I'm dealing with like this bully complex. I'm five foot seven, 155 pounds. I got to deal with the fact that people look at me like I'm a bully. It's just a weird, it's a weird thing, but. Uh... Yeah. And you know, that's, that's the, I know there are a lot of hardcore anti-mask people out there, which I get it because it feels like this giant social experiment, like this psyop, like, let's see how far we can push people. What can we get them to do? And 
the vast majority of people are just order followers that will do whatever they're told is good for society. But, uh, you know, it's just not my hill to die on. It's like when I go to Walmart, I'm just going to put it on because I don't want some 19 year old girl to have to walk up to me nervous. Um, excuse me, sir. Can you put the mask on? It's like, it's just, it's not my, it's, you know, I'd rather rail against the lockdowns. I think that's time better spent. You know, I'd rather make sure that my favorite restaurants and my, my home gym, are able to stay open and keep their lights on long-term. That's more important to me than not wearing the mask. And, and, and I mean, communication, you know, how much of us are, are I, I guess we're increasing our eye contact because we really can't see each other unless we're looking at each other's eyes. Right. Yeah. I recognize somebody in a, in a, um, in a Walgreens last night, I was going to passport photo and I look up and I, Oh, Hey, how you doing? I can't believe I recognize you without your face. Yeah, anyway, I've had a couple of those where I'm like, was that who I think it was? I'm like, I don't know. And I'm too, yeah. like, it's too awkward <laughs> to ask. So I just pretend it wasn't. <laughs> I don't even look at people in cars now. I'm so antisocial because I'm not going to be able to get who it is on a glimpse of just, yeah. you know. I'm... Yeah, that, that whole thing is nuts. So, Rich, one thing I wanted to uh, touch on while we got you here is, you know, because I feel like people are a little fatigued on just COVID talk. Sure. So, you know, what's funny is you're talking about your background and how you got into martial arts to begin with. And I know I have a similar story. Uh, you know, I grew up with three older brothers and also felt like the little guy my entire life and wanted to learn how to defend myself. And the reasons that I came to martial arts uh, are not the reasons I stayed for them. You know, what brought me in okay. was this feeling of of kind of vulnerability and, you know, being afraid of getting my ass kicked. And what and everybody has this this conception of martial artists, or if you say martial artists, people might envision, it might conjure images mm-hmm. of Bruce Lee looking, flowing like water. But if you, if you say cage fighter, which I think is kind of a hacky term, but a lot of people still use it, you know, you picture these tattooed up mohawk wearing uh, knuckle dragging cavemen. And that's not at all what martial artists are like. When we had uh, Tom Holder on, uh, last week, we kind of squashed that, you know, we, we titled that episode, the Bruce Banner of finance, because Tom is yeah. uh he's a savage. I mean, training he's with Tom, he, I mean, he, he mops the floor with uh, just about everybody. He's a black belt level grappler. And uh, you know, the, martial arts has brought so much value to my life. Uh, the, you know, it's not just the self-defense thing. That's kind of a selling point to people. But what really keeps you there is this thing that you can't really, you'll sound very woo woo if you try to explain it to people, but it's this, uh, this intense form of, of meditation where, you know, for an hour and a half, uh, you know, every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you're not worried about anything in the world other than like, I've got this big trained killer that's trying to rip my arm off and I'm going to make sure that this grip stays here. So I don't get it ripped off. You know, that's, that's all you're thinking about. And you know, it's funny, it's funny to hear you talk about your origin story because it is somewhat similar to mine. No, I, I think that's a, that's a incredibly insightful because right when I started, I thought I was taking it because I didn't want to be messed with. I just wanted to be to where people wouldn't mess with me, you know? And, um, okay, great. We've accomplished this goal to where people look at me and now they're afraid of me because it's, you know, because my, my reputation uh, precedes me, you know what I mean? They looked at my YouTube knockouts and they're like, this dude's a savage. Like you called Thomas Holder, who is only the nicest human you've ever met, you know? Um, oh, for sure. You know, he, he he's um, he's an example of the only thing that I hate about having other gyms in town. I don't mind there being plenty of places to go, but then I don't get to be friends with some of those guys who are in, you know, in with the other guys, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But anyway, 
having said that, you're, you're absolutely right. You, you come to martial arts for one reason, because you want to learn to be dangerous or you know, whatever reason you come. And then the, the lessons that you learn from that meditative process, because right, you, if you're, if you're not clear and what your mission is right here, right now, you can't be thinking about work. You better be thinking about, you know, my, my fingers are fatiguing. And if I do, I'm going to lose this. I'm, I can tap and he won't hurt me, but that's not what you're thinking. You're thinking like, Oh dude, this guy's going to rip my arm off. I better just keep my fingers. And now your finger strength is in question and you're feeling something in your forearm and you're like, wait, did I just tear something? Well, whatever, man, we got to hold this. You know, that meditative process teaches you a lot about what you're made of, you know, uh, you could just look up and tap and the, all the pain will go away and a little bit of humility. But for some reason, you want to beat this guy today. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I, I, one thing martial arts has done for me is introduced me to fitness. And I feel like fitness is the real drug, you know, that, that gets, well, I, I don't know, it builds your immune system. It helps with uh, regulate your sugars when you raise your heart rate up for a period of time. Um, so I've felt fall in love with fitness. I run now in my exercise more than anything else. Um, because I just, I just mainline the fitness. I go out there and I get my heart rate up to about 170 something beats per minute. And I maintain that thing for at least 30 minutes. And then I come home, I take a shower. You know what I mean? I eat food. Uh, yeah, I actually just started running last week and I, it was a, it was a humbling experience, uh, cause I hadn't run in so long and I did a mile and I didn't clock it. It might, I might've run it in like six and a half minutes or something, but my legs were wiped out for two days afterwards. I'm like, Oh, it's the worst. But then once you get in for a few weeks, then all of a sudden, like you condition those muscles, you know, and that's, what's, uh, what's so funny looking at the difference between one thing that, that martial arts, if you, if you are a grappler and you start taking a kickboxing class, you learn really quickly, just how specific conditioning is like my, my ability, like to climb a tree, if I'm going to hang onto something and pull and, and hold and clinch for a while, I can do that all day. But if I go to a kickboxing class, I'm going to be sucking wind. I'm going to have a a cramp in my ribs. It's going to be, it's going to be God awful. And uh, that's, what's, that's, what's so funny about it. But uh, you know, one thing I noticed when I was, when, when I talked about when I was 18, 19, and I was just starting in, uh, in jujitsu, because I I wanted to fight MMA, but uh, quickly fell in love with just jujitsu as, as a standalone martial art. But I remember at the time I was still uh, weightlifting um, at a, a big gym uh, locally. And I remember everybody kind of has this like alpha chimpanzee complex, especially young men. And when you go to a weightlifting gym, and I'm not saying that everybody who's a weightlifter is a douchebag. I am saying that douchebags are overrepresented in that demographic. There are far more of them than the general population. Again, that's, that's some, not all. Most people are very decent people in just about everything. But I noticed that this, this, uh, this posturing, this, you know, walking with your chest stuck out and, and guys would come to the gym, making sure that like their, their cutoff t-shirts match their shoes and all this stuff and everybody's sizing each other up. And I mean, for a while before I, I started at, at no joke, I kind of thought that way, you know, I'm like, I need to get big and climb up social hierarchy, man thing. And then what's so funny is you go to a martial arts gym and these people are actually dangerous. You could, you could watch their highlight reels on YouTube where they're knocking people unconscious and all of these things. And everybody's the nicest you can be. And I guess, you know, in kickboxing, you know, they have like sparring Friday nights and everything. And there's a little bit more of that, that hierarchy thing going on. 
And even in jujitsu, there's a pecking order, but the level of mutual respect that everybody has and the lack of chest puffing is, uh, is not what you'd expect. And I think that's because, and to anybody who trains martial arts, they've heard this conversation a dozen times, but it's that, that process of getting your ego put in check that really just kind of reigns in your ego. It just, it makes it so it's like, yeah, I mean, I got, I've, I've taken many beatings to get to the point where I am now. And, you know, when somebody's new and they're walking in the door, you don't go, I could crush this guy. It's more like, yeah, you know, I, I remember walking in. I remember that, that being nervous feeling walking into a, a martial arts gym for the first time and God bless him for being here. And I'm not going to try to intimidate this guy. I'm going to try to, you know, really uh, infect him with the bug going to COVID well, Easter egg there. Again, I, I, I'm not on your podcast to compliment you. Um, and uh, Mike's being really quiet because he hasn't walked into the gym in a while. Um, <laughs> Once. <laughs> uh but no, I, I don't think everybody or every gym, I think, you know, when the, when the, when the student's ready, the teacher arrives, because you could walk into some MMA gyms, you could walk into some Taekwondo gyms and find those meathead alpha chimpanzees who want to prove to you that they are capable of crushing you, you know, uh, as easy as looking at you. But, you know, if you, if you can maintain some semblance of humility and go in there and learn, then yeah, you find like, man, these guys are good dudes you know what i mean dealing with their own stuff and uh if you're if you're open to it they're gonna bring you into the process that got them to where they are and then you know what i mean those here come the lessons you know here come the bigger life lessons from the uh the man versus man you know right yeah can i comment on, on just kind of my take on things because i'm sure. speaking to someone who virtually has zero experience in the martial arts um when nick first got into it i thought the whole thing was kind of silly not really my cup of tea i was like just a bunch of sweaty dudes rolling on top of each other like i, I just what's the attraction to this and i pictured kind of stereotypical macho alpha guy nick was talking about just a meathead um with uh you know no personality and just made up a muscle i was like this is i don't really understand what uh you know what's your attraction to that but then nick got really into it and then i started to see how good he was getting at it and, and how passionate he was about it and then started meeting some of the guys that he was meeting there he was bringing around becoming mutual friends of mine and I was like, oh, these guys aren't meatheads. Like, these are very brilliant intellectuals and stuff that, that I love talking to. And I see why Nick's so attracted. And then he, we, uh, Nick and I lived together for a short stint. And he, he basically had me completely sold on it. Like, I, I finally understood, like, oh, you get the same thing I get out of playing the guitar. It's like a flow state of just everything goes away. You just love it when you're doing it. Or, um, you know, if you're someone who does, like, TIG welding or, uh, you know, like a, a pitmaster barbecue guy. Like, it's that same flow state of just passion. So I was like, I, I finally see it. So he basically had me sold on it where I was about to get into it. Then I started having three kids real quick in a short period of time. And <laughs> podcasting is about the only thing I have time for right now. But I think I totally would have gotten into it. Um, had their time been a little different. I think in life, you got to change, chase your passion. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, and, and you know how, how you know what you're passionate about? You spend time doing that, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So not, I'm not trying to just let you off the hook for fitness because I think we all need to work out. Right. Uh, and I'm going to encourage you to find something that gets you to raise your heart rate up for a period of time. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, back to the martial arts thing, that's all it was for me was I just wanted to not be a punk. I didn't want to be, you know, uh, somebody just a, a, somebody could I push around. No, people weren't pushing me around, but I'm saying I, I wanted to feel like more of a man. I wanted to feel more confident in myself physically. Um, and then I only started exercising because if you, I learned early on, if you get tired, you get beat up. I mean, like if you get tired and he's not tired, he's going to keep 
having his way with you. So um, having said that, that's where the fitness comes in. And I just started running because I'm like, well, I got I to gotta get to where my heart can work for a while, you know, mm -hmm. or else um, I'm not going to last very long. And I, I love that you, you, you made that point, Nick, about um, uh, endurance is exercise specific. Uh, Lance Armstrong, one of the best endurance athletes in, in the history of the world, he cheated, um, uh, you know, ran a marathon and he wasn't at a competitive pace. So because he's, uh, you know, has endurance on a, on a bicycle beyond anybody in history, he still couldn't run a marathon like a Kenyan. Okay. So it's very specific to what you're doing. So that's what makes MMA such a great sport is that you got these guys that have endurance in striking. Uh, and by the way, getting hit can take it out of you just a bit. You know, you get hit to the body or the leg and man, it just starts taxing your aerobics. All right. Um, and then wrestling. And that's like uh, isometrics. You're doing like uh, pull-ups for as long as the dude is on top of you or push-ups or whatever. You understand my point. So, so, so yeah. Um, like I said, those are some of the side benefits of, of martial arts training. And I, I think we keep, keep recruiting people that come in for whatever reason, and then they get these bigger life lessons and they see, you know, you learn that different personalities. The first group that I trained in martial arts, it was Tong Sudo. And uh, man, I fell in with a group of engineers. These were <laughs> smart, uh, young professional men uh, and women. And we got in, in there and beat the crap out of each other all the time for fun. And we looked at each you know, and I was like, man, I'm, you know, so for me, I was always questioning, like, why do I want to do this? Like, I'm a pretty smart guy. I don't, I don't go out and pick fights. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have that, that ego. Like, I don't have a quick trigger. I don't just go beat people up. What is it about me that attracts me to that? And for the longest time, I couldn't figure it out. And then again, the people I was interacting with, I'm like, well, they're not stupid and they like it too. Hmm. You know, so well, I'm just going to keep going with it. And uh, I mean, I, I think I've had a pretty, pretty fun life just doing martial arts, you know, uh, um, hoping that this uh, change in uh, business structure doesn't crush my business and keep me from doing what I like doing. Yeah. So, you know, one thing, and, and we talked about this uh, with Pete Canones, who is uh, our last podcast guest. And we talked about, uh, you know, the, the COVID cult, the people that are, you know, it doesn't matter what the costs are to stop the virus, whatever it is, it, the price cannot be too high. Um, and the people that are, you know, believing that they are like saving the world, staying home and that there's no other objective in society. Uh, a lot of people call them the branch Covidians, which I really like, um, you know, like David Koresh and the, the Waco know. massacre. You've never heard the Branch Covidians? No, no, I love oh, I said I'm yeah. familiar. Yes, I'm laughing. Yeah, okay. So, so you know, one thing that Pete brought up in the podcast is that the people that are singularly focused and, you know, the kind of people that would call the cops on you for having, uh, you know, a, a party outside – um, those people, what it really is, is they don't have a lot going on in their lives. They don't have anything that they're passionate about. And, you know, people might think that sounds snarky and it's like, no, they just, they just care about the, uh, the people, you know, but when I look around at martial arts gyms, you know, I know quite a few people in that space and all of them, I don't think I've met one person that's a dedicated martial artist that has said, you know, well, I just care about people so much that I'm, I'm going to stop training. And I think the gyms should remain shut. I haven't met one. And I don't think that's because, well, they're just selfish and they care about their martial arts hobby more than they care about people's fucking lives. You know, like those, those girls on Twitter, this is a side tangent, but they do the clapping emoji in between every word. And it, they think that it makes them more correct about whatever point they're making, okay. but it doesn't. But anyway, 
you know, it's, it's not that they care about their hobby more than people's lives. It's that they, they realize value and it's like, Hey, I'm passionate about this thing. And so are thousands of other people. I mean, you know, millions worldwide. And you realize that, Hey, this is my thing. And I really don't want anybody to take this away from me. And I'm not comfortable asking you to stop doing your thing. I'm not going to ask you to stop going to piano lessons or, or, you know, swim class or anything. You know, we all have these risks in life that we have to be willing to take. And it's not up to you. We have freedom and people forget. I mean, it's such a cliche term, but freedom means, you know, I'm going to do my thing and I don't have the right to impose my views on you. Right. And it it seems like that entire notion since March has gone out the window, like the, the foundations of our, of our country have just gone away. I think these times are teaching us tolerance because the, the, the separation it's, man, it it wouldn't be great if like everybody that you disagree with, they disagree with you on every point that, you know what I mean? So that we could just literally set the team down the middle. So we say that half, of the, the country voted this way and half the country voted this way. Does that mean that they all think the same way and they all think the same way? Unfortunately, no, it's not like that. There's, there's so many issues that divide us that if you and I talk, we're going to disagree on something strongly. Okay. But I think during this period of time, when everybody's opinions are so visual because everybody posts their dumb shit thinking everybody cares about it, you know, I, I think we just have to learn to be tolerant of other people's points of view. We can't, I know when I first started, uh, martial arts my marketing was man we got to tell everybody about this because in my head they'll all think it's as cool as i do and they'll show up well no man some people take the class and they're like oh my god you guys work out barefoot this is what no thanks i would never work out in my barefoot stepping on all those germs and what well okay man we we actually clean the mat uh twice a day which is probably cleaner than your bathroom but okay whatever you know, I can't, I can't help you. You know, you, you look at it differently. You like the germs in your house because they're your germs better than you like, well, less germs in my gym. You know what I mean? Like there's no logic going on there, but that's how uh, she has decided she doesn't want to work out barefoot. Okay. I can't, can't help that. Now I just look like, like I, I'd say to Mike, you know, like when I first started, I would have been spending half of this conversation trying to convince you to come back in and roll with us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, man, chase your passion. If it's guitar, great. Come on over. We'll play together. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, yeah, I think, I'll still, I, look at it. I think I'll still give uh, jujitsu another shot once kids get a little older. I mean, in fact, I'm so pro that um, I, I would I would want Nick to start instructing my three-year-old as soon as he can. Um, as soon as that age. I, was like, I see the confidence it builds. Uh, I oh, see yeah. the, the healthy fitness benefits of it. Um, and also just for ego. Like these are like the least egotistical people I've ever seen. And that's the complete opposite of what i thought it was before i got to know nick and all you guys i was like these guys are not egotistical hard asses these are hard asses that keep it to themselves and walk you know speak softly carry a big stick um which i think is a superpower for a a kid going through high school and middle school to have my stick's not really that big anyway (laughs) so um yeah i agree and and that's that's great that you had that example and your brother um you know who who obviously you know had a lot uh, um uh, as a as a young man but right has built a tremendous amount of confidence um uh, and and yet doesn't have to go around proving it right mm-hmm. yeah i think that's really cool and and spinning back to you saying doing what you love um is kind of another topic i wanted to talk to you about is at what point did you realize you love doing this so much that you took the risk of starting your own gym and being an entrepreneur where did that crossroads happen i i mean i think that's the that's the arrogant side that kind of pushed me into success in in this stupid little thing you know what i mean just deciding that that i i don't know what i care about more than this so to get good at something you have to do it a bunch you know i 
I opened the business not thinking I'm so good. I want to share it with others more like I want to get really good at this. So I'm going to do it all the time. Um, you know, and uh, I don't know, maybe that's not the most um, productive way to, to build a business or a life or whatever. I mean, there's lots of ways I could have made a whole bunch more money. I'll tell you that. But man, I've had a good life. I've traveled uh, to several other countries and brought fighters there. I fought in other countries. Um, you know, I've, I've seen some, some different things. Uh, you know, um, I, I went to Europe first to visit my sister who lives there. And then in the, in like a year later, my coach said, Hey, uh, you want to fight in Paris? I said, well, I got my passport. I mean, I've already been to Paris, but let's go. And when I went back to Paris and fought, it's like, I got to see a different part of a different culture, traveling to different, uh, uh, countries shows you their culture well now i got to see them doing my thing in their country man there wasn't you know what i mean like it's mm -hmm. like like-minded people doing the thing i do that was incredible and they're speaking a different language like i i can't even, it just it just blew my mind like people do what i people do whatever you do all around the world if you can connect with them somehow and, oh uh, yeah um you know not to cut you off that's one nope. thing that i've uh, i've enjoyed so much since i started training is i, I mean i've trained uh just traveling in not outside the country, but just through the U S like I've been to Kissimmee, Florida, and I just drop in at the Gracie Baja there. And mm -hmm. I've never met these guys before, but right away we're, we're rolling. And then there's this immediate, uh, you know, mutual respect that you build and this, this kind of camaraderie. And there's this sense of fraternity, especially in the martial arts world where it's like, okay, I'm going to go to Dallas, Texas, you know, uh, 12 hours away. And I'm going to try to strangle this stranger that I've never talked to before. And to most people, that sounds batshit crazy. But then you realize that, oh, no, this is actually uh, this fraternal bonding experience. And, you and you know, you're going to become Facebook friends and you're always going to be like, I remember that guy. He's a good guy, you know. And th that's one of the things that uh, that really sticks out about martial arts, too, is you get to know somebody. If you grapple with someone, their entire personality comes out. You know, it's, it's, you, you learn about their self-control and their, their level of, uh, be staying calm. All these things come to the surface. So, so, so you're making me, making me think this point that, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes somehow we are losing the, as we get more and more, um, uh, industrialized and more dependent on technology and we have our systems that bring food to our grocery store, we're, we're less and less animalistic where we, we're not hunting and gathering anymore. So we're so much farther away from our animal instincts, um, that, uh, I, you know, we're soft, you know, uh, we, we don't have, we don't have to travel up and over a hill to go get some water. We just turn a tap on, you know what I mean? It's relatively clean. Uh, the cleanest it's been in the history of mankind, Okay. Uh, and our food sources are so abundant that we're fat. Okay. We're overweight, right? If you remember the, the vision of the Buddha as an overweight uh, being, that was ludicrous in ancient, uh, you know, uh, China or India, wherever the heck that uh, those stories start from. Uh, it, it would be crazy to think that somebody could eat so much food that they would get that fat. That's why the depiction of the Buddha is as such. Okay. Whereas to now, that's uh, the norm at Walmart. Poor okay. people are fat in our in our society. Yeah, yeah. Which has never happened. People are fat. Yeah. So yeah. even the poor, even the lowest uh, uh, socioeconomic has the ability to gain weight, uh, useless weight. Mm -hmm. That's 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 an odd thing in the history of mankind. So oh. when we engage in this this primal activity of fighting, and obviously we're not fighting to the death, but the, the closer you get to that concept of having to overcome some strife, you know, man versus man. 
the practice of martial arts, okay? We no longer need to hand to hand to stay alive, okay? We do have people that do that in our society. Our military goes over and fights the battles so that we can maintain our way of life. But those of us that, that have the luxury of, of uh, uh, modern existence, we just go to a, a martial arts gym and we uh, you know, get to know ourselves really well. And when you are in that space, like you said, have you seen um, uh, people who are, are grappling and just lose it and get really pissed off and throw a temper tantrum? And then you let them because it's like, well, I've been that frustrated before, you know, uh, and then they learn and grow and they realize well, that guy wasn't really trying to hurt me. He just had me in a good mood. And man, I just didn't like it. You know what I mean? You're faced with this and then you learn and grow. I mean, I feel like it's a tool uh, for self uh, self development. And I love to see it in uh, people that come to the gym. Um, so, you know, that passion stays uh, state has stayed there for me. And uh, I'm happy to share it with other people. How long have you guys been in business now at No Joke? So 2002, I opened up in my garage. I was working for another uh, martial arts gym. At that time, I kind of quit my, uh, my uh, automotive uh, mechanic job and um, started taking on clients in 2002 and, uh, you know, just built it up slowly, making mistakes all along the way. I made most of them. Uh, bought a Brazilian. That didn't work out too well. <laughs> you remember that mistake. <laughs> That's a rabbit hole we won't go down in this podcast. Right, right. No, it's, it's all fun. Um, you know, uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't had to, you know, do any kind of other work since 2002. I've just been a professional martial artist, which is kind of cool to say. And I recommend everybody chase their dream and do what they love doing. That's a free country. You know what I mean? It's a free society. What would, what would you do with the freedom if you can't just do what you want to do? You know, um, if you're smart enough, figure out a way to make money doing things you enjoy doing. You don't ever work when, 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 uh, I created a system that I was able to have my kids with me all the time. Uh, we just go in parades and show off. We'd be advertising. Um, and we train kids to come to us. We train adults. We go to fights, um, enter into competitions, travel with uh, martial arts. It's been, been a lot of fun. I recommend it. You know, uh, Rich, to circle back a little bit, when you were talking about, uh, you know, technology and everybody living these lives of luxury and how it essentially makes them miserable, that's our, on our last podcast as well. We talked about Ted Kaczynski and uh, the Unabomber Manifesto, which if you haven't read it, uh, I highly suggest listen, you can listen to the audio file okay. on YouTube. It's about three hours long. But he, I mean, he, he lays out the case that, you know, technology is already, he wrote it in 1995. But you can see technology is just sucking the soul out of people. And I, I really think that's apparent when you look at sedentary uh, corporate America where people, you know, they wake up and they pound their coffee and take their shit and then they get in traffic and they, they pound on the steering wheel and they sit in their cubicle and they make their calls and then they go home and then they, they fill up on pasta or Pizza Hut and they put on the cable news and they, they yell at Sean Hannity or Rachel Maddow or whoever, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then they fall asleep and then they just rinse, wash, repeat. And that's their lives. And I think there's this giant void of meaning in people's lives and, you know, having something either, if you don't have a passion you're chasing uh, that's just for the the long-term effect of your life. But I think in the short term, that kind of physical resistance, if you're, if you're sedentary, is so important where it's, it's not just like, Hey, it'll make you a little bit happier. It's, you know, if, if you're not moving every day, if you're living this lifestyle where you're sedentary, it's, it's a guarantee that you're going to be miserable. Like it's your, our bodies. It's like, imagine a dog that you never, like you never took this dog for a walk. It just stayed in the house. 
it's like that dog is going to be miserable or, or go to the zoo and look at the lions that are domestic. And it's, mm. it's sad. It's like, you see these fat overweight lions. I mean, you see a giraffe at the zoo. Um, I mean, Joe Rogan used to have this bit, but the giraffe is happy to be there. It's like, it's getting fed and pets and there's no, there's no predators coming for it, but you look at something like a lion and it's, it's just sad to watch. It's like this thing's fat and it's just declawed and, it's, it's really unfortunate. And, you know, people, we, we have like all these consumer goods and, and unlimited Netflix and this food that's delicious, that's dirt cheap. Yep. And yep. people abuse that. It's like, you know, you're going to, you're going to watch too much Netflix. You're going to, you're going to get fat on all that pizza hut and uh, you're going to have no sense of meaning in your life. Yeah. I definitely spent too much time on the social media and it, it gets me so depressed. You know what I mean? Uh, looking at what other people are doing or what I could be doing or whatever. And uh, you know what I mean? I mean, you got uh, internet porn at the fingertips, just begging you to waste your day away uh, with you and your favorite right hand. You know what I mean? Uh, you got food at the ready, you know, that's not good for you, but tastes great. That doesn't give you energy, but uh, you know, is very fulfilling. You know, uh, you, you got everything telling you not to do anything. So I think, you know, over, I don't know how much time we have left, but different periods of my life, I've gone to see a therapist. I was introduced to the concept of uh, talking out your problems with somebody at a very young age. And so I've always done that whenever I come to a, a crossroads. Great, my battery's running low. Um, you know, and I, and, and I go in and I, it's, been, it's been a minute since I've gone in, but I go in and then I, it's like, I'm reminded like, yeah, man, we're pretty healthy, you know, like... <laughs> we set obstacles physical obstacles we overcome them we feel better you know what i mean like i was going to tell you like i i shit before coffee you know why because i exercise regularly i don't need that coffee to get me going you know what i'm saying and so all these things that we have in place i think we just need to share with other people the tools kind of like you're doing on this podcast like hey here's here's some ways that we are learning to cope uh mike's like likes playing the guitar music can be hugely healing you know what i mean hugely meditative uh, mm -hmm. for people yeah uh, Nick likes to choke people. Well, I don't know about you, but I've, I've had a few, had a few uh, occasions where I could think, man, I'd sure like to wring that dude's neck. Well, now you get to go wring somebody's neck. And, and Rich, you actually, you actually bridge that gap. Uh, and so does Eddie Bravo, you, the musician martial artist, where I think there are a lot of people that, that share that crossover because they find that flow state that Mike was talking about, where it's like, you're, you're just doing this thing and the whole rest of the world just kind of melts away. And it's like, it's just me and this thing. And it's this, this skill that you develop that just brings you this sense of meaning. You know, uh, uh, Miyamoto Musashi, a famous uh, 15th century um, samurai, would engage in calligraphy and tea ceremony and other artistic endeavors, just like the samurai sword that he had dedicated his life to, because he felt like once you're a master of one art, then the arts are available to you. Mm -hmm. So I firmly believe that. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I found myself in this place where I was reloading bullets and shooting competition because my martial arts had progressed to weapons. You know, my martial arts training, I was like, well, I'm, I got, I'm, I'm not perfect at hand to hand, but I got to, I got a good idea of what I'm doing. You know what I mean? If I go, if I go hands with somebody. Right. Um, and so I kind of stepped it up. I, I like weapons. And, and so at this point I'm spending all my time on these like dystopian hobbies of, you know, uh, food prepping and, you know, um, getting it together so that I have my, my basement set up so that if, if, if in the event of the, uh, you know, the worst case scenario and all of this, and I was like, you know what, I, I don't know. I'm just going to be a rock star like I wanted to do when I was a kid. And I kind of went back to playing drums <laughs> because it just it just makes me a lighter person. You know, I'm not as 
not as serious. I just want to, I just want to play music with people. And <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Cause I mean, I, I can relate, right. I, I'm not one of those guys that just has like one thing where they go all in and become an actual, like, I mean, Eric Clapton knew at age five, he wanted to play guitar for the rest of his life. And he stayed up to 1 AM his entire high school years playing guitar by himself, you know, and society rewarded him properly for that. Um, I don't have that with any one thing. I have a million different things that I'm interested in and I, I want to try. And, you know, like when Nick talks about jujitsu, it's like, well, shit, now there's one more thing I put on the list, but that's like 30, number 37 on my list now. <laughs> right. There's so many right. hobbies, but the one thing you mentioned, um, that I've really learned, uh, I'm 30 years old now. And one thing that's really come apparent through my twenties and watching all this technology, um, is just the evils of instant gratification. Um, that's, that's like the one thing I heed people most to stay away from is if, if it makes you happy immediately, it's going to take more from you in the long run, whether it's, you know, drugs and alcohol or slot machines or porn or, or, uh, infidelity, anything it's, it will give you the world and everything in it for two minutes and it can, it'll demolish your life in the post game. I think that's the struggle, right, is to, to weigh these wonderful, wonderfully gratifying uh, advances in technology that allow us every bit of information ever available to mankind is in your back pocket. You got supercomputers in your back pocket. That's awesome. Uh, super communicators. We're literally doing the Star Trek thing right now. You mm -hmm. know, this is great. I mean, not that teleportation thing, but you understand my point. <laughs> this is great. Cool. Fun. But man, isn't it a demon? Isn't it almost like the Christian model where these demons are trying to take part of your attention? You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, you know, like the, the succubuses, they're all there waiting for you, man. They, mm -hmm. <laughs> they even know you what you like. They're going to send you just the stuff that you like to see. Um, and then you got to try to, like you said, set something up that you have to work towards and try to accomplish, you know, um, and uh, I think martial arts certainly represents that uh, music or the, uh, the, uh, yeah. The, uh, what am I trying to say? Working towards becoming a, a musician can can do that for you as well. Nick, One thing that we've been we've been uh, talking about on the podcast, the theme we keep coming back to is, you know, I, I'm as guilty as anybody as being entertained by politics and, and over following it. And I remember a couple weekends ago, I told myself, um, you know, with all of the crazy election stuff happening, I said, OK, this weekend, I'm going to intentionally put down the phone. And I'm going to not follow any news and I'm just going to watch uh, just jujitsu videos and I'm going to watch the UFC and I'm going to keep all of the crazy and I'm going to train and I'm going to keep all of the crazy stuff just in, in my, my purview, just off to the mm -hmm. side. Like mm -hmm. it's just going to be off to the side. And I remember that Sunday night, like I was just so much happier. I just felt like this is, this is, uh, you know, me at my best. Okay, so we're back after uh, our, our technical difficulties. So I think I was talking about uh, modern people and how they, they lack this sort of resistance that seems to be necessary in human life and, uh, and how that ties into martial arts and, and finding a passion in general. It doesn't have to be martial arts. I think the great thing about martial arts is, you know, it's, it's this passion. It's like playing chess. It's, it's developing a skill, which... Uh, you know, if you get super into weightlifting, you can, it's incredible what your body can do when you really push your limits, but there is a, a certain plateau to, to strength gaining, uh, without, you know, taking some Mexican supplements to help push things along past their natural boundaries. Um, but that's, what's cool about, about martial arts is you're building this skill. You're, you're making a lot of, uh, friends uh, people that you connect with on a deep level. And you're also getting good exercise in and, you know, you're, you're picking up weird things like flexibility, especially if you're in jujitsu. Um, so yeah, I can't remember exactly what I was talking about when your battery cut out rich, but, uh, <laughs> I, I want you to just add on to that. What you see. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, obviously, it's easy to sell martial arts. And I feel like when, I, when I'm pitching people, it's like, listen, you got to move. We know enough to know that you don't want to... Um, death is inevitable. But how we die, uh, we have some say in it, right? Like if you eat the wrong foods, you get diabetes and things go bad for you or you get heart disease, uh, right? Uh, you know, we're just talking about number one and number two cause of death, not number three. Okay, but number one and number two cause of death are preventable, right? Heart disease, right? Uh, um, what's the other one? Uh, cancer. Yeah, there you go. Oh, so yeah, probably uh, cancer. You know, eating the wrong combination of foods. Obviously, there's some genetic code that dictates whether or not you're going to uh, get a uh, debilitating mm -hmm. disease. But within reason, uh, yeah, it can be limited. Say that again. So within reason, the the within health. Within reason, right, yeah. right. I'm, don't get me wrong. Twelve year olds die of cancer. I understand this. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that. Um, most of us get it from uh, lifelong bad habits, right? Whether smoking or chewing tobacco or, uh, you know, uh, um, eating the wrong combination of foods and the wrong amount of exercise or lack thereof. Um, so to me, find something uh, that, that does a lot for you. Well, martial arts will do that, increases flexibility, balance, um, uh, increasing your musculoskeletal uh, use, usability. Yeah, um, I think the other cool thing about martial arts is, although you you do need an opponent to you know to hone your skill, it's very much a, like an individual type self development sport that it really tests your resilience and, and your um, you know ability to stick with something that's very challenging. And I think that's why a lot of the people that Nick and I've or Nick's introduced me to, a lot of them share very similar political ideologies and. Um, I look around at, at kind of like we we're talking about with all this uh, technology and everything, how it's making complacent, lazy people. And it makes um, th a lot of this huge push for socialism now. And it's like, I, you know, people who are, they're used to their whole life just being everything. I'm entitled to everything. Like all this technology is just mine for the taking. It's a human right. We don't stand on the shoulders of giants. They don't see that. Um, but I, I, you know, looking at what you guys have, just the amount of hours or years of um, investment you have in, in martial arts and the, the skills that you've honed, it, it would be like me. I think I have one hour at your gym, <laughs> but feeling entitled to your physical fitness and, and your performance level and be like, well, no, it's, it's not fair that you guys got passion. You guys got to redistribute that. Give me some of that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not fair. You guys get to be healthy and fit and be able to fight so well. Um, I see the exact same thing with, with money and life skills. Um, but in economics, for some reason, they see that different than health or, or skills. Wow, very, very good, very good point. I like it. I like it because uh, uh, everything you get from martial arts training is a result of what you put into it. You know, it's very, it's pretty, pretty simple. I mean, uh, genetic code. We just signed up a guy. I don't want to talk about it, but he's uh, 315 pounds of chiseled muscle, and uh, you know, I'm a little jealous because he swings his leg one time and he's kicking harder than I've been able to build up my kicks after 20 years of practicing, you know, <laughs> it's uh, not fair. So life's not fair, but you get that in a very visceral, uh, um, you know, um, obvious, uh, lesson. It's right there in front of you. Like, Oh, size matters. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't lie about it. We can't pretend. We can't say that, uh, that the genetic code that was handed him wasn't different. And in the case of measuring his, uh, strength and power, well, it's better than mine. You know what I mean? Right. It's, uh, it's better. We can't, we can't say that. So, so I think it, it helps you, like you said, it shapes you politically. Now I'm not blaming other people because I don't make enough money. Mm -hmm. Why don't I make enough money? I guess that falls back to me. Right. 
Right. And you know, you can always make more. You have that drive, you know how to persevere and, and right. figure out you've, you've done one thing very well in your life. So you know how to translate that to another game and, and try to win the next game. And, um, and you know what, what drives me crazy is uh, especially, you know, people will realize that, you know, if you look at fitness, it's like the reason that you're unhealthy and, and fat and have a bad heart isn't because somebody else is in good shape, right? It's not a zero sum game. Uh, you can be healthy and they can be healthy and everybody can be healthier. Uh, of course, some people are born with health defects or whatever, but the point is you can maximize your ability and, and you can live a better life. And when it comes to something like finance or economics, people kind of throw that out the window and they think that, well, you know, cap free market capitalism is a zero sum game. And it's like, no, it's not, um, you know, Jeff Bezos is worth a hundred plus billion dollars. And guess what? You can start saving money and wasting uh, all, you know, cutting away all of your unnecessary consumption and you can become wealthier. And so can everybody else Uh, just take care of yourself the same way you can get in better shape. Um, And, you know, maybe as long as there are super athletes, like the guy we're talking about, as long as they're out there relatively, you're going to look subpar. And as long as Jeff Bezos is out there, you're going to look relatively poor, but you can't say that your circumstances, that your standard of living in any way, shape or form are held down by somebody else because it's just a loser mentality and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And I get that with all my, uh, my left wing friends who have the mainstream Keynesian take on economics and they, they talk about how Jeff Bezos is hoarding all the money. So there's not enough for other people. Um, and I just say, that's just, you know, that's economically illiterate, first of all, because if this guy did have billions of dollars and, and say he didn't reinvest it in his in his business, which he is, let's say he took every penny that's he, that he's made and shoved it under his mattress. Well, if inflation decreases the buying power of your dollar, he just deflated the currency. So your right. dollar's worth more now. There's less, less dollars chasing the same amount of goods and services. So right. that'd be a great thing if all the billionaires could just hoard all their money underneath the mattress. Um, but of course, that's not actually what's happening. Uh, but it's also not even a realistic possibility. So it always drives me crazy when I hit that, that argument. from the Yeah, left. it's like if, if Jeff Bezos really wanted to just like fuck over the working class as much as he possibly could, he would go out and he would just spend all of his Amazon stock buying like gasoline and bread and rice and all and water, bottled water. Like he would go buy all the things that people actually consume because it would drive up the prices. And then, you know, if he if he did that at a certain point, he would run out of capital to spend uh, buying up consumer goods. And then, uh, you know, the demand would fall because Jeff Bezos isn't blowing his fortune trying to make your life worse. And, uh, you know, now now things go back down and Jeff Bezos is no more. So, yeah, I think whether it's health and fitness or or money, uh, people need to stop with this poverty mindset and this this zero sum mentality because it's not helping anybody. Well, your, your discussion is helping me because I, I often think like, you know, if I, if I, if I am feeling good about myself and I'm feeling like, man, I, I worked hard to get to where I have a a level of fitness, um, that, that affords me a very active lifestyle and I can do the things I like to do, but right in other ways, I'm, I'm mad because I wasn't given the genetic code to be able to, um, you know, invest my money in, in more lucrative ways, but you're, you're, you're absolutely right. We all get we all get what we get and we don't throw a fit and we try to work with what we have, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Nick, anything you want to close on? I think we're uh, running a little past an hour now. Yeah, no, I mean, it was great having you on rich and, and of course we'll do it again. Um, is there anything you want to plug? I mean, I can, if you, I, I think I can give a more shameless plug of the gym than you can, if you're in the yeah. area. Uh, <laughs> you can let me, let me just say that, uh, you know, uh, these, these times, you know, like, man, like, 
getting to the grit of life, remembering that we, we're still animals, we still have uh, 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 basic needs, and the more we honor them, the happier you can be. I mean, I don't know. I can't think of a, think of a better endeavor, but uh, sure, your shameless plug goes a long way. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, no joke has become, uh, uh, it's been my second home for, you know, basically since I got out of high school. I, I, I feel, you know, if I'm not at home, I'm at the gym. Those are two places where I just, I mean, I call it my second home because I feel that sense of comfort and familiarity and all of the friendly faces and, and the mats. And uh, I think, you know, this country and this world would be a, a better place if people found their no joke. Uh, so that's right in a sense, I'm plugging everywhere, but uh, if you're in the area, definitely check it out. If you're not in the area, like most people listening are not going to be go find your no joke, go, go <laughs> find a place where you can, uh, where you can, you know, really express yourself and, and put yourself on a better track in life. Well, I certainly appreciate that. Thank you guys very much for having me on. Anytime, Rich. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.